Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Lead Pastor Dave Ferguson as we conclude the series, Created for Community. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Hello, community. It is great to be with you and all four expressions of our church, our community locations, our 3C communities, community freedom, and community online. And I'll tell you what, here's what I want you to do. Keep inviting your friends and neighbors. Uh, We've seen an increase in several hundred people joining us in the last few months. And those are people that are finding their way back to God. I've been thinking, I love a good origin story. If you have a favorite origin story, I'll tell you what, just whisper it to a neighbor. Or if you're watching online, just drop it in the chat. A favorite origin story. Now, if you don't know what an origin story is, an origin story is kind of the the story that tells the story of how the story (laughs) became a story. It's how it all got started, uh, the backstory. And knowing the origin story helps you make sense of the present, but also anticipate the future. Um, Any Spider-Man fans? Like the origin story of Spider-Man. It all kind of makes sense when we learn the backstory of how Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider. Or Star Wars fans, uh, the origin story of Darth Vader. You kind of get it when you learn, oh, the backstory of how Anakin Skywalker was found by uh, the Jedi as a child. Or the origin story of Harry and Lloyd. It all makes sense when you learn how Harry and Lloyd became dumb and dumber. Or maybe not. Maybe that's all just dumb, all right? You kind of get what I'm talking about when I talk about an origin story, right? But did you know community? Your church also has its own unique origin story. Uh, You may not know this, but there was a time when community was really, it was just a dream. Uh, Before Sue and I ever got married, uh, while my brother John and I were still in college, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Uh, Before we had any buildings, uh, before there were multiple locations, before we had any staff on community. You know what there were? There were four college friends who made up a small group. Four college friends who made up a small group. And that's important. We were just friends. It was me, my brother John, and our two college roommates. And I remember all four of us were sitting around a breakfast table at a hen house restaurant. Remember some of those? There's still a few around. This is in central Illinois. And over the course of a couple hours in scrambled eggs, we started dreaming about starting a new church together. And then we kind of scribbled out a threefold vision for this brand new church that we might start together on the back of a napkin. The first phase of that vision was we said, we would love to be an impact church. Now that meant we wanted to impact everyday people and just help them find their way back to God. And you know what? By God's grace, for the last couple of decades, we've averaged almost one person a day finding their way back to God and being baptized. But we also wanted to be the kind of church that would have a lasting impact on a whole community, wherever we would be. The kind of church that would actually be missed if it just suddenly disappeared. And not just missed by people in the church, but by people in the community outside the church. So when we plan programs and build buildings, we don't simply think about how they'll be used by our church only, but also we create programs and design buildings that are gonna serve the greater community. Well, then the second phase of that vision that we scribbled out was to be a reproducing church. We knew the greatest impact would come by reproducing brand new sites or new churches in the suburbs 
and in the neighborhoods all over Chicagoland. In fact, you may not know this, but actually research tells us that brand new churches will reach three to four times as many people as do most established churches. And you know what? That's why our local Chicago Church Planning Network has helped plant 35 brand new churches in just the last several years. And that's why we also continue to reproduce other expressions of a church through like 3C communities and community freedom in prisons and then through community online. Well, then came the third phase of our vision. Scribbled on that napkin. We added this, movement-making church. Now, here's the truth. The truth is, this is the part we wouldn't always say out loud. I mean, it just felt a little bit kind of arrogant or presumptuous to talk about a movement when there's only four of us sitting around a breakfast table in the middle of nowhere. But we got to eventually plant our first new church. And since then, we've planted other new churches. And most and many of those churches have multiplied other churches. And it's now become what we call New Thing. And to date, New Thing, by God's grace, has helped plant 5,669 reproducing churches in 40 countries around the world. Four college kids sitting at breakfast, just dreaming of an impact church, a reproducing church, a movement-making church. See, that's our origin story, the backstory, where we came from. And we got that from the New Testament church's origin story. In fact, if you go back more than 2,000 years ago, Jesus gathered the small group of friends to give his final instructions before he returned to the Father in heaven. And here's the vision Jesus left for them. He said this, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and eventually to the ends of the earth. And see, the vision that Jesus left for them was not only to impact the city of Jerusalem, yes, that, but also then to reproduce into Judea and Samaria and ultimately become a movement that would reach the ends of the earth with God's great good news. And I'll tell you what, from that breakfast table until today, we've always believed that this Acts 1-8 vision of impact, reproducing, and movement was not just a vision for 2,000 years ago, but we believe that this is a vision for us today. So, when the four of us left that hen house restaurant, what did we do? We didn't try to gather a crowd. No, we did what Jesus did. Each of us started a small group. Now, there was a problem, though. <laughs> and the problem was, uh, when you try to start a small group, you need something. And what you need is you need people. And there was only, you know, the few of us and a couple others that kind of joined around us. So here's what we decided to do. We decided that each of us would not only start a small group, but we would go to each other's small group to kind of make it look like there were more people. Now imagine this, okay? What that was like, having the same small group discussion with the same people on Monday night, and then the same people again on Tuesday night, and the same people again on Wednesday night, and then Thursday night, you know, same Icebreaker question with same answer, night after night after night. I mean, it was a little mind-numbing, but you do whatever it takes. But since that time, we've been reproducing small groups, and that has been mission critical to what we're trying to do at Community. Now, here's the secret. The secret of these small groups reproducing over and over again is this. Each one of us had an apprentice. We had someone who had come alongside us so that he or she would be equipped to eventually then lead a new small group on their own. Now, why? Here's why. Because if the vision is movement-making, understand at the core of every movement is always some form of, a, of apprenticeship. In fact, my first small group apprentice leader was a guy named Jerry. 
Uh, Jerry wasn't even a believer yet, but he was finding his way back to God. And he was passionately interested in spiritual things. Super teachable guy. He loved people. So I started apprenticing him. Within nine months, he said yes to following Jesus. I got to baptize him. And then soon after that, he was ready to actually lead and took over our, our small group. And then I started a brand new small group. And then we just kept doing that over and over again. And now 30 some years later, community and our church planning mission new thing consists of literally thousands of reproducing small groups all over the world. All right, maybe you're asking yourself, okay, why are you telling me the origin story and how we got started with small groups? And here's why, why it's so important, particularly today, because today we're concluding our series, Created for Community. And we've been talking about how community is better than a crowd. Now, we love, 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 love what happens when we gather in a crowd on Sundays, whether it's in person or online. But we also know that there's stuff that happens in a community, in a small group of people, that's just not gonna happen in a crowd. Like, like true connection and accountability only happens in a small group. Physical needs get met and emotional support, that only happens in a small group. And it's in a small group of people that, that most of us find our way back to God because most of us, we need to belong in order to believe. And for those reasons, when we started community, we started with small groups that focused on creating a community that eventually would attract a crowd. So here's the question I want to ask you at the outset. A couple of them, actually. First one's this. Are you currently in a small group? Now, here's why I ask. My experience has been over the years, I, I've been in lots of small groups. And, and honestly, some of those people have been some of my best friends. Uh, when Sue and I got married, it was people in our small group that danced with us. Uh, when Amy and Josh and Caleb were born, it was people in my small group who came to the hospital to visit us and give gifts to us, and they celebrated with us. When our marriage struggled, it was people in our small group that told us, no, we can get you through this. And they prayed for us. There were times when we were sick, and you know what? It was, it was our small group that made meals for us. It was actually a couple of my small group that taught me back when I was in my 20s how to budget, how to save money. I mean, they actually even went so far as they gave me 50 bucks a month. They put it into my savings account so I'd get the habit over the course of a year. They'd say, okay, now next year you're gonna do it. Here's how you do this. It was people in my small group that vacationed with us. It was people in my small group that loaned me a car when mine broke down. You're probably thinking, I don't wanna be in a small group with that guy. He's gonna work me too hard. <laughs> no, it's just that those are the people who loved me. And I ask if you're in a small group, not because I, I want anything from you. I actually want something for you. I want something for you you won't get anywhere else. So are you in a small group? Let me ask you a second question. And it's this, have you ever been in a small group that developed an apprentice leader who then reproduced another group? See, here's what I want you to get. For people to find their way back to God and also for people to be loved and cared for, the mission and the vision depends on us apprenticing brand new leaders who will start brand new small group communities. And see, apprenticing is exactly what Jesus did and exactly what he taught us to do. If we go back to the gospels, let's go to Luke chapter six. 
What we see there is Jesus brought alongside himself, not just one, but actually 12 apprentices, ordinary people with names like Peter, James, and John. He asked them to do life with him, to learn from him. And eventually it was through these 12 apprentices that Jesus changed the world. Then the apostle Paul comes along, probably the most influential leader in the early church. He follows Jesus' example, and he invites a young man named Timothy to be his apprentice. In fact, in a letter to Timothy, Paul explains how Jesus' vision, remember, of taking it to the ends of the world, how here's how it can be accomplished. And he says, Timothy, he writes, my dear son, you've heard me teach many things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Teach these great truths to trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. Now, if you go back and look at that, you have Paul, right, who took the life-changing message of Jesus, and he passed it on then to Timothy, who would then pass it on to other trustworthy people who would pass it on to still others. You see that? One, two, three, four generations of Christ followers being apprenticed. And because he did it, then others did it. What was the result? At first dozens, then hundreds and thousands and thousands of people finding their way back to God. And as more and more people are apprenticed and sent out to lead and create these communities, the Jesus mission spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and instantly, eventually the ends of the earth and continue through that, fast forward, then to me, then to you. And what we see is impact, reproducing, movement making. And I think what God is saying to us as a church, he's saying, okay, now it's your turn. It's your turn. Now to make this as practical as possible, I want you to hear from someone who took that step to become an apprentice leader. So here are a couple of people who are living out apprenticeship. Hey community, my name is Ted Canaris, and I'm the community pastor at our Downers Grove location. And today I'm joined by Marshall Marshall and Eric Metcalf. Thank you guys so much for being with us here today. And I'm really excited to talk to you. And as you guys know, as we talk about all the time, that we believe the most effective way for us to carry the Jesus mission forward is to apprentice new leaders. And here in Downers Grove, Eric, Eric Metcalf here, you have been a coach of small group leaders for a long time, and you have been apprenticing Marshall to be a coach of small group leaders as well. And so I really want to ask you guys a couple questions about what that's looked like for you. You ready? Yeah? Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. So Eric, tell me, what was it that you saw in Marshall that made you want to ask her to be your apprentice? I mean, fair question. Um, and I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's the right place to start. I mean, what did I see in Marshall? I mean, I think part of uh, my own journey is I tried to live out as best as I could a first Peter 2.9 kind of lifestyle that says, as I follow Jesus, if I could invite as many people to participate uh, in, in the kingdom and serve in ways that might increase their leadership or give them new opportunities. And so in an effort to do that, um, Marshall had three key characteristics that to me made sense, uh, to be able to come alongside her and ask her to, to follow me as I follow Jesus and do my best uh, to do that. And, uh, the first I would say is, uh, spiritual velocity and, and really just believing that she had fruit in her life from following Jesus, her and her family and, um, teachability is another key characteristic that I think it takes to apprentice. And this is someone, you know, Marcel modeled what it looked like to take input from others and, and grow in her faith 
journey, not to be perfect at it. And then I'd say relational intelligence. And that's somebody that is self-aware. It's somebody that understands their own strengths and weaknesses. They know their story well enough. And simplest way to say that is that people like her. Turns out Marcel is a very likable person. And so they want to be around her. And, um, and you know, you look at those characteristics, and you're like, it's kind of just a no-brainer uh, to invite somebody into apprenticeship uh, when they've modeled that in their own leadership and the way they serve within the, the local church. And so through prayer, hearing from God, talking to the leaders around me, uh, talking to the team at Downers Grove, it just became pretty obvious that she was the right person to ask. And fortunately, Marshall said yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Marshall, how did you feel when Eric asked you to step into an apprenticeship role? And, and why did you say yes? Yeah. So even hearing it now, I'm as encouraged as I was um, when we originally had the conversation. Um, you know, Eric said a, a lot of really nice things. Some of them were things that I didn't necessarily even believe to be totally true about myself. Um, but, I, you know, it was just a really cool experience to have someone who's led, you know, in the church for such a long time speak into your life in that way, um, you know, about how they see the spirit moving in you and in potential they think you have to serve the church. So it was just you know, a great experience for me, certainly. Um, and then why I said, yes. Yeah. So after our conversation, I spent time in prayer um, about just some like practical things that I was worried about, right? One was busyness, right? Do I have time to, to take on this role, the things I think that it requires and what that would look like? Um, and, you know, hesitancy about being a good resource for our, our leaders at Downers Grove. Um, and then just, I feel like what everyone thinks of as a small group leader and a coach, right? If someone asks me questions that I don't have the answer to, um, especially in a new role, right? What is that going to look like? Um, and I just kind of felt a sense of peace about those prayers, not that this was necessarily going to be easy, um, but that it would be a great next step in my faith and my walk with God. Um, and so Steve and I discussed it um, and we felt like it was ready to take that next step of faith. So here I am. What was the best part of your experience as an apprentice? What did you what did you learn through that? Yeah, I think um, just observing Eric as being our coach. So, so Steve and I um, led us a small group co-led along with um, our friends Roman and Kelsey. And we were fortunate enough to have been coached by Eric for the, the prior year. Um, and so it was you know helpful to have him to bounce ideas off of and ask for suggestions during that time. Um, and so I think I learned a lot um, through this apprenticeship and through that time um, about how connecting relationally with people um, and praying for and with them and then listening to them is right. It's everything when it comes to leadership in the church. Um, and so sometimes when we think of a leader, those aren't necessarily the, the characteristics that stand out, but that's what we saw in our, our time with Eric um, as our small group coach and apprenticing under him. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a great experience for me. Um, and I've tried to kind of emulate that in my short time so far as a coach for Downers Grove. Oh, I just love that. It's one big love fest over here. This is great. And one more, Eric, what excites you about what God is doing in Marshall's life? And, and how do you see God using her in the future to further the Jesus mission? Yeah, I mean, listen, anybody that's at our Downers Grove location knows that Steve and Marshall, they're just such a wonderful family. And we love those guys. They're just very passionate about the Jesus mission. And as I said earlier, are they perfect at it? by no means. Um, and, uh, we are all on a journey with Jesus as we seek to follow him and serve others in that way. Um, but as they're doing their best, they are investing in a very significant way, their time and their talents and their resources to help other people find their way back to God. And I've shared with Marshall before, like, I really think that maybe somewhere down the road, God might be 
challenging her to become a pastor of a church, maybe step into vocational ministry possibly. Um, but the truth is she's already pastoring in so many ways uh, within the local church by leading a small group, uh, by being a leader of leaders as a small group coach. Um, and But I feel like if, you know, if she sensed or heard from God or if others kind of challenged her in this way and she was given the opportunity, maybe just maybe over time, she might be able to lead a, a little community or a church uh, that would help even more people find their way back to God. And I'd be honored to play just a very small part in her story to do that. Well, I just love that. And I want to say thank you both for saying yes to this journey and to coaching and apprenticing others. This is huge. This is how the mission moves forward because of you. So thank you. And thank you so much for taking some time and talking with us today. Anytime. Thanks, Todd. Absolutely. See you guys. That simple apprenticing relationship is critical to moving the Jesus mission forward. And here's what I know. I know there are many of you who God is calling to become an apprentice leader. And it might be in Kid City. It might be with our student ministry. It might be with our adults. Maybe it's in the arts or some other place. And as you're thinking about it, some of you are going like, well, me, I mean, how could I do that? I mean, I just started attending community. Or I haven't been a Christ follower very long. I don't know very much about the Bible. I mean, how could I possibly apprentice to start a brand new group, create this kind of community? Well, let me tell you. It is not about how long you've been a Christ follower. It's not about being a Bible scholar. Let me describe three qualities that make someone a great apprentice. Maybe you'll recognize these in yourself. I mean, this is what I saw in Jerry, one of my first apprentices, right? And this is what Jesus saw in the 12th that he apprenticed. And here's the first quality. The first quality is this. It's spiritual velocity. Spiritual velocity. Now, that doesn't mean that you are living a perfect life or have Christ following thing. You got this all figured out. What it means is that the trajectory of your life is moving closer and closer to Jesus. And your desire is to pursue Jesus with your life. You're trying to be more like Jesus in how you treat people, how you manage your time, and how you steward your resources. I've seen spiritual velocity illustrated this way. Uh, let's say Jesus is represented as uh, the cross in the middle of this diagram. Now, we might look at this picture and think, oh, person A is living a more Jesus-focused, centered life, while person B is not. But what if we add some movement, spiritual velocity? What if we add that to the picture? We see that person A is actually at a standstill but person B is actually pursuing Jesus. And my experience has showed me that God works most through people who are pursuing him. So if person B is pursuing Jesus while person A is stagnant, it's person B that actually has spiritual velocity. So my question for all of us is this, are you pursuing Jesus? Is that your desire? Yeah, I wanna get closer to Jesus. If that's true, then you have spiritual velocity. The second quality, is teachability. Apprentices are those who want to develop. They're willing to accept feedback so they can grow and mature. They don't assume that they know it all. They really want to learn. And ask yourself this, do I have a desire and the humility to grow and be challenged in new ways? And if you answer yes to that, then you know what? You're teachable. Here's the third quality. It's called relational intelligence. It's different than just kind of raw intelligence. Relational intelligence is grounded in understanding that, that people matter. People matter to God and they matter to us. 
And a person with a relational intelligence, they look for the best in others. I mean, they genuinely care about people. And consequently, other people enjoy being around that person with relational intelligence because they feel cared and valued for. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So there you have it, spiritual velocity, teachability, relational intelligence. And I'm telling you, that's what God's looking for. And I know some of you, many of you listening right now, God's tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, no, I want you to take that step to become an apprentice. As we conclude this series, let me give you kind of three kind of overarching challenges. Here we go. First, connect in a small group community. All right, connect in a small group community. I mean, being in a crowd is great, but it's not enough. In fact, right there on your screen, go ahead and use the QR code on the lower third right now. Okay, use that to get more information about how you can get in a small group. Or if you want, just text the word group to 331-226-1686. Either one, the QR code or the word group to 331-226-1686. Or reach out to one of us on staff. That's the first challenge for all of us. If you aren't already in a small group, find one. Here's a second challenge. The second challenge is this. Explore apprenticeship. I'm telling you, there are a whole bunch of us who can and should explore apprenticing. And if that's you, just to explore it, again, use that QR code in the lower third right now. You'll get more information about small group leadership of every kind. Or just text the word apprentice. Again, apprentice, that word, to 331-226-1686. Or honestly, you could just ask your small group leader, if you're in a small group, about becoming an apprentice. And remember, you can do this in Kids City or Student Community or the Arts, lots of places. One more challenge, too. And it would be this, help reproduce a new small group. Even if you're not ready to become an apprentice, you can still help reproduce a new small group by joining alongside someone who's an apprentice who's gonna start a new group and you can invite and include others so then all those people can experience all the benefits we've been talking about of a community. I'll tell you what, let me wrap it up by telling you about another chapter from Community's Story. Um, it was not long after that, uh, that group that my apprentice, that I, where I apprenticed Jerry way back in the day, I apprenticed another small group with a guy named Troy. Uh, Troy and Janet had been transferred here from Atlanta by General Mills to the Chicago area. And they came to community and they loved that threefold vision. They loved the mission of helping people find their way back to God. And uh, Troy and I kind of hit it off. So I asked Troy to be my apprentice. Within six or seven months, he was ready to lead his own small group. So he left our group, reproduced another small group. And now between my group and then Troy's new group, we doubled, okay, the number of people who were able to grow spiritually, support, encourage, and find their way back to God. Well, if you fast forward several years later of reproducing several new small groups, each of us and then those doing the same, et cetera, et cetera, Troy comes to me and he tells me, hey, I want to move back to where I'm from, which was Kansas City, and start a new church. And truthfully, I kind of hated to see him go, but I knew that's what God wanted. And so I apprenticed him to start a new church in Kansas City. We commissioned and sent him, his wife, Janet, and many of you know Patrick and Nancy O'Connell as well. And then about 25 other people from our church here in Chicago who transferred jobs or, or um, sold their homes, but moved to Kansas City and they started Restore Church. Fast forward again. 
Troy and his wife, Janet, invite Sue and me to restore church's 10-year anniversary. Now, even though they're my age, it, it's, it's almost like they're my kids in the faith. I mean, I'm, I am so proud of them. And that week on their 10th anniversary, we celebrated Restore Church not only having multiple locations and having dozens of reproducing small groups with hundreds of people who found their way back to God, but as a result, they also helped plant during that decade over 40 new churches all around Kansas City. 40 churches helping people find their way back to God. And that never, ever would have happened if one leader had not apprenticed another leader and if there were not small groups that reproduced. It now has become, Restore Church has now become an impact church, a reproducing church, and a movement-making church. See, that is Jesus' Acts 1-8 vision. It is the church's origin story. It's our church's origin story. And I think God is saying, this is our ongoing story. Let's pray. Father God, I want to say thank you. Thank you for, just for how kind and how good and how gracious you've been to us as, as a community of people, as a church. And Lord, I ask that you take what you've done in the past and help us to be able to see what you want for us in the future. Help us to live into that faithfully. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word prayer to 331-226-1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.